Welcome to the Progression Health Podcast. I'm here with Chris Joyce. Chris, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Perfect, Ross. Firstly, Ross, thanks for having me. Um, it's uh, yeah. So my name is Chris Joyce. I am. I was about to say thirty, but I'm not thirty yet. Even though I kind of feel like I'm thirty today, but I am twenty nine years of age from Galway. Um, regarding, I I'm in recovery from addiction from alcohol and gambling. I am regarding health um, and the gym and stuff. I suppose briefly. Um, I wasn't always into the gym. I was um quite overweight up until about maybe twenty. What am I now? I'm four and a half years sober. So about five years ago, I suppose I probably would have been at my heaviest, which would have been brought me to about twenty four years of age. I would have been about one hundred twenty kilos, like in and around. Um, when I was, I went to treatment. I went to the Rutland Centre in Dublin in twenty eighteen. And I was about 130 kilos. And I remember that because I was just always sweating and always nervous and always anxious and everything. Um, is there anything else I need? I don't think I would go with football supporter if that, if that, to anyone listening, if that, if that makes any, uh, contribution to it. Very important piece of info, the Galway football. You have to have the passions in, in recovery. So. Just bring it back to, to the start. So how did you get your start in, you know, in Ireland? I think I kind of feel like we're all just, you know, drinking from a young age. But, you know, how did you get your start in, in, in drinking and, and, and the gambling? When did that start? Um, I, start, I think I never drank. Actually, I only drank. I think I started maybe my first drink maybe when I was 17 or 18. So I didn't start overly young. Um, but the minute I drank, I was like, I love it. Like, it gave me that comment. You know me from uh, for a good few years, and, like, I would have struggled with confidence for a long time. And drink just gave me that invisibility or unstoppable whatever. I'll talk to anyone. I will I'll do anything. I'll, I'll come up with any excuse to go on a night out because if it wasn't Bob's birthday, it was Billy's birthday. If it wasn't Billy's birthday, it was John's birthday. And then... And, um, like that just gave me that confidence and with me, my gambling and my drinking always went hand in hand. Um, so if I gambled, I drank and if I drank, I gambled. So, um, I, that's why I can't like, I can't, if I think, Oh, like I don't think of it very often, but like when I was in early sobriety, it was like, oh, I'm not the worst, at, I'm not the worst at gambling, not the worst at drinking. Or I was almost like planning the next time I would drink. And then I was like, but if I drink, I'm going to end up gambling again. And if I gamble, I'll end up drinking again. So that's why I just kind of just clean slate, just threw in, as someone said to me before, before I went into treatment, was throw in the white towel and just leave everything out there. Yeah, what a change it's made. So what do you think of the, the drinking in Ireland? And, you know, I guess it's kind of in general, not just Ireland, not to pin it on Ireland, but like Ireland's relationship with drink and like, you know, is there... Do you see many people who are like moderate drinkers who have a good handle of it? Because, you know, like you said yourself, you're like, oh, you know, you weren't the worst. And I would have thought, you know, uh, when I was back in Ireland, it, there's always people who are who are worse, right? You can always say that. But what what's your opinion mm. on, yeah, Ireland's relationship with drink? Um, I suppose when I was, when I was drinking, it was always like, you could almost always find someone 
to go out drinking with. Um, like not everyone I know, a lot of my close friends can have a drink and they can go out and have a pint and they can go home again. But like the culture in Ireland, you know what it's like, Ross. It's, it's, it's all in or nothing. Like it's, but that's, that's the way I am with everything. It's like, it was like that with drinking gambling. I can't just have one better. I can't have one drink. I have to like literally go head first into this. It was like when I started on my fitness journey, it was like, I'm going to go head first and just eat chicken, rice, broccoli and soy sauce for two months and lose those away and then pile it all back on again. But with regards to drinking culture, it's just like, I see, I don't go out that often. Ross. I like, like, well, for example, I have a staff night out on Friday and a bit of a reunion on Saturday. And that's like once in a blue moon, I'll go because I just don't have any interest in it. But I always ask myself when regards to a night out, if someone asks me going for a night out is, am I going for myself? Do I want to go or am I going to please someone else? And if I'm, if I can, if I can tell my, if I can, if I can see that I'm only going to just for someone else's benefit, then I won't go. Because like I'm not going to enjoy it. There's no there's no point lying about it. But like I very I, once maybe in every two three months I might go out. Maybe the odd time I might. There's a like again this weekend coming is just like that's once in. I don't think I've ever got gonna be have to go to two events. Don't have to go to two events. I'm deciding to go to two events two days in a row. But the drink again drinking culture in Ireland. You know Galway is just like. Every like it's oh, then nobody like I was. Where was I on Saturday? I went out for food Saturday, and it's just like like Key Street was just bananas. But like they weren't the places I would have been towards the end of my drinking. I would have been in the place where I wouldn't be found or down a back street drinking or something like that. Yeah, so you're much more intentional and aware of your relationship with alcohol now, which is great. So just back when you started, like. What would have kind of you said you got real a real buzz out of it? Like what would you, led you to keep coming back, even though you know you might have had hangovers, consequences? You know what was kind of the drive back then? Um, geez, hangovers were chronic, but like absolutely brutal. And then it got to a stage where I wasn't getting any hangovers, and it was just like, Jesus, this is almost just completely normal. Um, but like when I first started drinking, it was kind of like here and there, maybe every so often. It was like with my gambling as well, because my gambling and drinking are kind of like, the story is very the same. It's like, it's like I started, let's say, for example, gambling, I started off with a very small bet, but then it went boom, 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 boom. It was like really big bets. Now, I was really big bets into the amount of money I was earning. So if I was earning more money, I would have been like spending ridiculous amounts of money. But like the drinking was the same. Started off maybe one or two points on a night out. Then when I was getting to 19, 20, getting that bit more freedom, left school, it was just like you'd start at five o'clock and you'd be home. And then there'd be sometimes I'd be gone for like 12 hours on end and just straight from work, straight into town. Um, so like it all, it, it progresses. It's, it's, and I know now if I ever went back, if I ever went back drinking, I wouldn't go back to just having one drink. I go back to what I was like when I finished plus an extra probably 900%. Yeah, there'd be no half measures. Yeah. So what was, you know, the health, the fitness, nutrition, that kind of stuff? Like how important was that in your life when you started drinking? Was, you know, was the drinking kind of replacing uh, that or did it come before? Uh, 
drinking, yeah, no, 100% drinking came before health and fitness. I actually ended up in hospital, nothing to do with drinking, I think, in, on a St. Patrick's Day. And I think I was really, I was drinking at the time. Yeah, no, definitely was. And um, I think it was about 2021. 20, and you know that thing, what's it called? Bell's palsy when half your face goes paralyzed. And I thought I was spiked, but it was obviously came out like this. And a junior doctor came up to me and basically it's like, you need to change your lifestyle or you will not be here in he didn't say that, but it, what he was trying to tell me was I was going to die if I didn't change my lifestyle. So then I started going to the gym, but it was kind of like, I'll go off to drink for four weeks and then I'll eat really healthy. And then four weeks would pass, I'll go on a night out. But then like, it was just like a uh, charcoal grill or, no, don't get me wrong. I do like the odd charcoal grill still, but like, it was like charcoal grill, Apache the next day or fry up and, and Apache. And then, so it was just like, it was like just this big mass of like, you were just going, I was just going back and forth the whole time. Yeah. You kind of were spinning your wheels and were you drinking a lot in the lead up to that hospital visit? You know, was it particularly bad or was it just a random occurrence? Uh, no, I was, I was probably, I was still in school. I think I was in fifth year. No, I was definitely still in school because I remember a few of the lads came in, came in to see me. Um, but I was no, hundred percent. I was still drinking. I think it was. It wasn't the worst because the worst was yet to come. But I was definitely heavily drinking. I was all like, I started drinking when I was eighteen. I was probably I was an addict from about nineteen twenty, probably even before that, because I was gambling before that. I was actually gambling before I started drinking. So they go hand in hand, then, yeah. And then, yeah. In terms of the fitness after that, what what changed? And you know, how how did you manage the fitness even though you were still drinking after? I don't even know, to be honest. Like I used to go, you know, um, I, I actually remember this, the year it's actually just brought, brought back. And I remember, you know, Kevin Russell, um, and I remember he, he trained me. Oh, geez. I can't even remember how long ago it was, but he was home. I don't know. I think he, he might have been in the UK at the time. I can't remember where he was. And we organized this. We had a booth organized for weeks, this training session. And like his train, like I don't know if he ever trained with him, but he's just like, like just it was insane at the time but i went out the night before and uh there's a few times there was a gym fundraiser i was going out the night before i was coming and stinking a drink and like i was just doing it but it was like more like as a self-punishment going if i go to the gym after a night out i can then justify going out drinking again or i can then justify going getting takeaways and stuff and it was just it was complete vicious vicious circle so it's like now, if you're going for the, you know, staff party, you're thinking about yourself, you're asking yourself questions. Whereas mm. before, it's like the extreme. It's like, how can I do both to the extreme? I'll do the hardest workout and I'll do the most drinking. Yeah, it's it's nuts when you think about how far. Sometimes I think, Jesus, what's the last almost five years been like? And then it's just like, it's just, it goes so quick. Like, it's just, I, I remember walking into treatment in, when was that, twenty. December 2018 Christmas time 2018 I remember walking in there and I was like what in the name of God is going on here um, and I remember my family coming to see me on Christmas day and all this and it was just like geez what is going on and I remember planning I remember I was I had this date in my head I was like if I can if I can get to a year sober I can then go have a drink but that was like completely that was at the beginning of treatment but then like as the five weeks went on 
it was completely like I can never I was like I'm not like obviously I'm not I'm not stupid like but there is obviously always a chance that you could potentially go back drinking I never want to go back drinking but like I don't say I'm never ever 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 going to go drinking again because you don't know what's going to happen when I after this after this call what's going to happen when I step outside that front door yeah absolutely it's just it's too much of a risk so the the treatment itself then you know you hear a little bit about it you know there's a lot of addiction issues around in the world especially you know with the more uh things that people become addicted to nowadays what was the whole treatment process like you know did you go in there did you did you seek it out first you know what was it like yeah i actually i remember i think i'm trying to think when it was i had I had a massive relapse in the, uh, I was gambling for ages with it and hadn't told anyone that I had gone. So yeah, so it happened basically very quickly for a 30 second snapshot. I had stopped, I had stopped gambling. And then when I stopped gambling for about a year, I was basically drinking really heavily. So I was basically swapped one thing for another. Um, and then I had a massive relapse in the gambling, um, and kept that quiet and basically got found out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then at this stage I knew I was like, I need to do something because my life will either, I'll either potentially take my own life or I will either just literally drink myself into and gamble myself into an oblivion. So I seek, uh, help from a guy called Rushy McConville, um, ex-footballer and he basically met him and he I met him before and I basically texted him and he, I remember him saying to me, he knew by the text I had sent him that something that I had gone back gambling. Um, so then, and I remember bringing my dog out for a walk that night and I would probably say I would be quite confident in saying that if I didn't bring the dog for the walk with me, I probably wouldn't have come back. So he rang me the next day and I was like, come here. I was like, I, uh, what do I do? And he was like, yeah, this is your choice. You can either do X thing. You can start going to meetings or you can seek help first, go to a treatment center and then go from there. So I ended up getting into the Rutland quite quick, within about two months, longest two months ever, because I was given the choice of you can go in for Christmas and do your five weeks or you can wait till after Christmas and then do your five weeks. But my, I was trying to justify that if I wait till after Christmas, I can have one last blowout. Remember my family were like, no. If you're waiting until after Christmas, you're not basically, they didn't say this, but it was basically like, we're going to be watching you. Like, you can't do that. So I ended up going in for Christmas, whatever. And it was just like, I didn't know what was, I, I had heard, like people had said to me, like, like people that I knew that had knew people that went into treatment, they were like, oh, it's going to be difficult, blah, blah. But what I was, what I had, was going to experience in the first week was nothing. What I, I remember sitting in a room. I was like, what's going on here? And next thing it was just like, it was just like, I won't go into it, but it was just like, it was like, they wanted to know stuff and everything. And then it was all just like floods of tears and everything. But best five weeks ever. It was like most difficult, but the best thing ever. And it hasn't all, obviously hasn't been plain sailing since like I haven't slipped or anything, but like it's still, I still have my own mental battles and, um, am I good enough for this or am I good enough to pursue that or, whatever you know you know what i'm like yeah you're a very ambitious man you have lots of ideas you know a former client i got to know you very well and uh it was great to work with you back then and 
Yeah. So just talk a little. So it was a great five weeks. Just talk a little bit about like, why was it so important for you? You know, so meaningful, so, so difficult also at the same time, just a little bit of details on, you know, the ups and downs. I suppose there was like, you had to, I suppose, talk about, like they talk about like um, maybe discussing your past or discussing nothing bad happened to me in the past or anything, but discussing like what it was like growing up and what it was like, um, what it was like when you were drinking and what did you do when you were drinking? Did you hurt anyone? Did you do this? Did you do that? So there were, there was, then we had the family days, but like a family member would come up and talk about what, what it was like to live with Chris or whatever, or the people, what it was like to live with Billy or whatever. So it was very, it was like, it was just like, it was, you heard honesty and like, sometimes you don't want to hear what it was like to live with Chris, uh, which I never looked at it from that way. I always thought, oh, it's all about me. Ooh, like I, I'm the one with the problem. Ooh. Um, but you don't know, like I never thought of it, of I, the effect that I had on other people. Um, so that was probably one of my main takeaways from it that like, I know there's a statistic I read that read it recently. I don't know if you know, it's like one in every, it's like you, an addict in a family hurts up to, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what it was, just say it was seven people. Um, but like, I never thought of it like that. I just thought, so I'm only hurting myself. I'm, I'm the one putting the stuff inside my body. Um, but like my, I remember I got, I got, uh, I don't know. I can never think of it. I'm going to absolutely butcher this. But is it your liver or your kidney that can grow back? The liver. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so, like, I remember, like, half of one of my livers was gone, was, like, basically disintegrating. Um, and I found that out after I came out of treatment. And, and then they did a test again, and it was, like, after I came out. And they, sorry, I got a test done the first week. And never got the results of it until I came out. So they did another one when I came out, which was like five weeks later, and it was like already starting to grow back. But like, if I had kept drinking, I probably, I probably realistically, I wouldn't be sitting here, hundred percent. Like, there's no, there's no point lying about it. I probably wouldn't be. I'd either be drinking or I'd probably be dead. But you're not. That's the key thing. So I know. And you're working out more now as well, which is huge. That's really good for your circulatory system, and that that cirrhosis, that breakdown in the liver, can be reversed. So just go back a little bit to like, you know, when you were, you said you were 120 kilos. What was that like? You know, as in like, what was your sort of way to kind of cope with stress? What was the mental health like? And, you know, activity and nutrition. What was, what was all those things like at that time? I suppose I was in one of the addictions I went in for as well is, and I don't talk about it a lot, is overeating. Um, Because like I used eating when I felt nervous or anxious or stressed or angry or tired or lonely, whatever. It would be like if I couldn't get my hand on a drink or couldn't get my hand on money to to gamble, it would be that I'd I'd, I'd eat I'd, I'd eat until I could physically not put any more food in my mouth. So like when I was 120 kilos, it was just like I had no self-respect for my body. I had no self-respect for how I looked. I didn't care. Like, like I always, I remember it could be 30 degrees outside and I'd still want to wear a jacket and a hoodie because I didn't want people to see me around in a t-shirt. Um, so that's the way, like I had no, I know, I just didn't care what I looked like. It was just, I remember, I'm only after to get another flashback of meeting you and what was the name of that coffee shop we had? We had, 
we chatted. I think I was only re- I think I was only recent, very recently out of treatment. What was the name of the coffee shop? Uh, There's so many in Galway. Inside the hospital, then. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. the one on the corner opposite the hospital. Um, oh my God, sell pancakes. I'm oh. thinking of it as well too. Like it won't come to my mind, but I'm thinking of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I was, oh, that's going to absolutely, but uh, Mr. Waffle. Mr. Waffle, that's the one. That's yeah. going to. I remember it now. Um, I remember but it now. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember, like, I I was, I probably was about maybe 120 kilos then. And I remember, like, I remember having the conversation. I was like, come on, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And it was just like, you say it, but I was like, Chris, like, you're not, like, you need to just take it one step in front of another. And that's the way I kind of. That's the way I kind of take, uh, like, I try and take life at the minute. It's like, just put one step in front of the other. And like, if you want to pursue something, you will get there eventually. It's going to take hard work and it's going to take discipline and it's going to take being consistent at doing small things. But like, I can get so impatient. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I could have an idea and I want to happen, like, I'm a qualified personal trainer and I wanted to have a very successful online business, but I wanted it now. Like I wanted it now. And then like, I don't do it. I don't, I don't do any personal trainer anymore or anything. Cause I, I had kind of realized that I kind of had fallen out of the love of training. I was good because, and I was like, my diet's not hundred percent all the time. It, majority of the time, 80% of the time it's, it's good. But like at the time of, I went through my own, was going through my own at the time. And while I, when I was sober about two years ago, two years ago, possibly maybe a year and a half ago. And I was like, I can't be telling people what to eat if I'm not eating well at the time as well. So I kind of just parked it, but I'm much happier that I parked it because I wasn't, I was putting unnecessary stress on myself that I got qualified as a person. I don't talk about this often really, but like I was putting stress, I was putting stress on myself that because I'm a qualified personal trainer that I ha- I can now only be a personal trainer, but like I'm enjoying training now because I don't have that unnecessary stress. I'm not saying I will never, ever, ever, ever be a personal trainer or I will not ever train people or whatever. But at the moment it's not in my, not in my, uh, in my life to do it because I'm enjoying my own training. Um, if I don't feel like training, I'll probably just push myself anyway. Um, like I went training today, um, I had a few things on. I had to had to go to the dentist. That absolutely killed me. But those things that I kind of taking responsibility because if I wasn't sober, I wouldn't want to go to the dentist. Number one and number two, I wouldn't have the money to go to the dentist. Absolutely, yeah. You would kind of uh, avoid responsibility. So just something you mentioned is uh, relapse. So I kind of, you know. I kind of feel as like as though there's like a stigma around it, like oh that's a bad thing, or you know it shouldn't happen. People should just decide, you know they should see the light, right? Mm. And that should be the end of it. But you know, if you think about it, how often do we try things and we get them first time? You know, very very rarely. You know, and brilliant if if we can, but it's not always the way. So can you just talk a little bit about your experience of relapse? You know, maybe someone's listening; they they have relapsed. What would you like them to kind of think about it? Because you know what's that what's the old phrase it's like fall down seven times get up eight you know it's we don't get things first time so just a little bit of on relapse and your experience of it uh yeah i suppose when i relapsed i wasn't 
I didn't think I had a drink problem at the time. So I was kind of like, I was just, I knew I had a severe gambling problem and I seeked help. This was going back maybe May 2016, I think it was. That that time frame could be very wrong. But, um, and I remember after it took me like a year to relapse, but my whole life was like insane. Um, in between that and it was just like at the time I was like I am so useless like how did I re- how did I relapse like I'm I'm not allowed to do this anymore like this shouldn't happen blah 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 and like the odd time I still think now oh where would you be if you didn't relapse but like it's kind of like I learned so much about myself if I didn't I, I, I can wholeheartedly say if I didn't relapse in gambling I probably wouldn't have got sober from drinking I probably would be still drinking and probably just coasting through life and probably still be hundred kilos. Um, but like I know the weight doesn't like, like I kind of, I watch what I eat now and I'm kind of like, I'm not as, as fixated as on the scale now as I probably would have been maybe a few years ago. It would have been like, like I did a photo on a fitness side of it. Like I did a photo shoot there. When was that? COVID. Yeah, it was COVID. And like after the photo shoot, I was so fixated on the scale. Like it was like, I'm 0.4, 1.6. It's like, but now it's kind of like I, I eat when I, like obviously I'm in a bit of a fat loss phase at the minute. So I'm obviously watching the scale weight, but I'm not like, I know now like that if you eat like a bowl of cereal or something in the evening, you're obviously going to be fucking heavier in the evening, but having the following day. But like they're going back to the, I went on a tangent there, going back on the relapse. It was like, I learned so much about myself during that, like that wouldn't, my life wouldn't be what it is today if I hadn't had that relapse. I wouldn't have gone to treatment. I wouldn't have met people in treatment. I wouldn't have done the work that I had to do in treatment. Um, wouldn't probably wouldn't, I wouldn't have met the people I've met in the last five years. Wouldn't have potentially would have never met you potentially. So, like, there's obviously there's things like that. Potentially, would have never gotten to shape. Potentially, would have never gone on holidays. Potentially, would have never done a photo shoot. It's all all these things that like you learn from your mistakes. And like, I kind I know now that for me, it's like if I was to say have a relapse, that it's like the build up to it. What was I? I I now and I'm in a place now mentally where I can if I if I'm feeling low or if I'm feeling or if, say I had a relapse or whatever that like that's almost like the last piece of the puzzle it's kind of like well what was I like two or three week, weeks leading up to it and try and identify the blind spots yeah it's kind of like a downstream effect you know it's like a domino so the mm. relapse is kind of the last part of it 100% um, like thinking back on it now it's kind of like when I did relapse for the whole six months a year before that was absolutely like insane, like eating lots of food, eating, not exercising, not wanting to see people just like drinking a lot, like going out on two, three day vendors, going like just absolutely insane. Kind of reckless almost in a way. Oh, hundred percent. Not almost hundred percent. So, so just, you talked a little bit about mental health. And then something you talked about, you know, going for that walk where you thought you might not make it back. So just kind of the depths of like the depression, maybe like even suicidal ideation, like 
what was going on at that time? And, you know, how did you kind of come through that? Was that what kind of led up to the phone call? Because I don't, I don't know, you know, does anyone find suicidal ideation easy to talk about? But it's good that you mentioned it. Yeah, I actually didn't know what suicidal ideation was until about maybe I was sober two years ago, maybe. I went to see someone. I was at, I was experiencing it a lot. Um, I've experienced it a few times. Um, and I went to go see someone who said, yeah, this is it. it it's kind of like a thing that you can kind of, when you experience it a few times, you can kind of acknowledge it and just go, right, this is happening. So like, just accept it and feel what you have to feel. But at the time it was just like, I just it felt like everything was just crumbling. Like my whole mind was crumbling. Like my physical state was crumbling. Like I was like, obviously my insides were crumbling as well. Like I remember that walk. It was just like, I mean, literally just like kept walking in circles around the block in Apicara. And it was just like, it was like pure insane. And the dog was probably like, where are you? Like it's like 10 o'clock at night. Like, what are you doing? I remember my mother rang me and like, I was, I think I was gone for like two hours or something. And I stormed, I absolutely stormed out of the house. And, and that's when I texted Oshie McConville. So I kind of almost that walk saved me. It kind of gave me that time to kind of think, well, now is the time I need, I need help now. Um, and I had only recently started a new job and they were good to me as well because I was thinking it was about maybe two or three months in the job. And like all this was going on, I just opened up. I went into work and spoke to my boss about it, and she just was like, "Take whatever time you need. Your job's your job's going to be here. We're not going to." Which was, I was quite surprised because I was, I think I was still on probation. I think, um, but yeah, that's 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 and suicide ideation. I don't think it's re- it's not talked about because I don't think people really understand. I suppose, I suppose for me, I I feel like it's kind of different to depression because like it's kind of like. Suicidal ideation can come and go, or you can you have to live with it, or whatever. So, like, I definitely can have that. I had it, I experienced it. Re- no, not re- maybe maybe about six months ago. And I just like I drive for a living at the minute, and like it was just like visualizing myself crashing into poles and all this, and I was just like, oh, what's going on? But I kind of just talked about it and stuff, and it eventually it eventually lifted, thankfully. So, so even though it happens, the suicide ideation, it's not, it, fe- it could feel like the end of the world, but it's not literally like you're able to cope with it now that you're sober and you can ask for help. Yeah, basically just talking about it and voicing, voicing what, what's coming into your head, whether it's to my mother or it's to a friend or it's to a family member. Brilliant. Yeah. So you, that's very good that you're asking for help. And then it's interesting. We talked about GA at the start and then how passionate you are about it. And then when you were stuck, you reached out to someone in the GAA. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Never thought of it like that. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, just like, you know how passionate I am about Galway football. Like, if anyone saw me in the terrace at matches, especially when they're playing Mayo, it's like, this lad is not well in the head. Like, but I don't want that to change. I always don't want to be well in the head when Galway play. So, um, but like, I lost in, I lost interest in the GA when I was when I towards the end of my drinking and gambling because I all I wanted to do was go to matches and drink. So thankfully that's well and truly back. It survived brilliant. That's that's so good to hear. So the gambling then, that's something you know, it's you know, alcohol and Ireland they kinda of go hand in hand, right? But gambling, it's 
lesser kind of known and you see kind of you hear mm. adverts about you know call this helpline and this kind of stuff and you see so many adverts you can you don't even have to go to the bookies anymore you, you can do it from the comfort of your, your home you know even at a game so can you tell us a little bit about that and you know how that started the gambling and that whole experience yeah i suppose I've never actually, yeah, I suppose I just, I was around gambling when I was younger, um, going into bookie shops and stuff. And I kind of really liked, uh, I was attracted to like the newspapers up on the wall and, oh, and they're like, the it was more so horse racing. So it was like in the paper and obviously, I don't know when you're, I don't know, do you remember it? But like the teletext, you could get the horse racing results on, on the teletext. So I was always attracted to that. Um, and then when I got my, first job which was Dunn's in Westside there was a bookies Boyle Sports bookies there and then there's the credit union the other and then there's me lamped right in the middle so like a gambler with a credit union one side and a bookies the other isn't really going to work so it's it was kind of like it was a recipe for disaster but like obviously I regret things I things I did and took out loans and stuff and lying about where going to hospital appointments just to get money from them. And like there is, there's obviously that guilt, that, that guilt with regards to gambling, but you can hide. I noticed obviously from struggling with both, struggled with both addictions that you can hide gambling because there's no, like obviously there's no, you can't smell gambling or you can't, you can't like, like if I was standing up, if I was say on a, socializing on the weekend and like you can smell someone if they're having a pint but you can't like smell someone obviously if they're gambling so like I was able to hide that quite well Um I was quite manipulative um, when I was gambling as well like trying guilt trip people into giving me money or trying make people believe that I'm going to an appointment to give me money so yeah it was it was a little bit of a different kind of beast then and the kind of the secrecy is that <clears throat> something that's common to alcohol and to gambling to keep secrets or sort of, you know, be sort of, you know, not letting on what was going on or is it, is it different for both? No, it's, it's quite, it's quite similar. Again, it's probably, it could be different for me because mine go hand in hand. But if I was to just look at the alcoholism, it's definitely like you'd lie about, you could hide about whose party it was. You could look hide who you were going out with just so I could get out and sit in the dark pub and go away. No one be annoying me. But, um, yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it's just quite, I think it's just a, a defect that people have when they're, if they're an, if they're an addict. When you're caught in the addiction, you just, it's not something you're proud of. You don't want to be telling people about it type of thing. Mm. So now then, you know, you're sober. You're sober how long? Four and a half years. So what differences have you noticed? You kind of mentioned there's still some challenges, but, you know, what's the difference in terms of, you know, your workouts, nutrition, sleep, and just your life in general in terms of like mental health as well? I suppose getting up in the mornings, knowing that like, or who did I message on Facebook or who did I borrow money off or, what, who did I meet last night? And that fear, like that, there's no fear. It's just like, you know, what you did. The that's, that's a big thing for me. It's like waking up, say, on a Sunday morning. And like, I, I kind of have a, um, my own coach at the minute was on to me for the last 
a year or so of building up morning routines and evening routines. Now, obviously, I work on the road, so like the nature of my work can be quite as you, as you have experienced firsthand trying to organize this call for the last two or three weeks. But uh, it's um, like obviously my morning routines usually on the weekend is I will get up and I'll and I'll go to a coffee shop in Air Square, and uh, when I'm in Galway, and uh, cafe, you know, cafe Nero there beside the sky. And um, just sitting there and just having an Americano and just headphones in, listening to something. And it's just like me doing that on a Sunday morning. I would have been the person like in Air Square trying to get money to get a bus home or walking home. Or I remember I, I, I met an, an, I, I think I, I met a teacher of mine or something when I was out drinking and just like at the following morning and after a nice drink and just the embarrassment of. Not knowing like where you were or who you were with or um but like that's that's massive, just like going to bed knowing that you haven't done anything bad or waking up on a Sunday morning, feeling fresh, no hangover, going to the gym on a Sunday morning, like not like my training's not always perfect, but like it, it is it's it's there, it's kinda like a it's 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 just built into me, into my routine. Like it's not like I went to the gym today for about, I think it was about 45 minutes to an hour. And like that, like I knew I was going to be there. Like I had, like I was off today. So I knew I was going to be going to the gym tomorrow. I'm on the road. So like I have planned to go to the gym. If I don't make it, it's fine. But if I don't make it, I will make sure I'm there the following morning, first thing in the morning. So you can almost rely on yourself more or trust yourself more. Because you're not shooting yourself in the foot. Oh yes, like I couldn't trust myself. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I could not trust myself when I was drinking and gambling. It was you could. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what would come out of my mouth. Basically, could say or do anything. And now that fear is removed, which is is huge. And you talk majority of the time. I still have a bit. Still have a bit of fear, but that's just gen. That's just general fear, not fear around drinking or anything. Absolutely, yeah. it's a case of progress, not perfection. So you said then as well, you did a photo shoot. So it's kind of a complete like 180. You know, you've gone from uh, feeling like your insides were crumbling to, you know, and it's not all about how you look as well, right? Internally, you, you kind of talked about that as well. But mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about like how you were able to get to the point of doing like a photo shoot and the internal change as well that happened. Yeah, I suppose. Photoshoot was an experience and a half and might do another one. Probably I'm going to end up doing another one in this quarter. Um, but um, that was just like from being from being extremely overweight to be able to have, it wasn't more so like getting absolutely shredded. It was more so to have the confidence to step in front of the camera with no t-shirt on because like, that's like just it wouldn't have even been in my vocabulary, yeah, like four or five years ago. Um, I did that during that photo shoot during COVID as well, so that was it was something kind of just to work towards because I wasn't working. Um, I was basically just walking the prom every day, having having a cup of coffee. Luckily enough, actually, where I'm sitting now, down below me was like a shed, and like built it into like a home gym. So like, it was like basically just like lights off headphones in although we had a speaker i'd say whenever like obviously like 
there'd be a few times the guards would drive past, like, and you'd turn off the music because obviously we weren't supposed to be training. But because uh, I had a tra- I was training with someone at the time, um, because he lived around the corner. But like, um, just the, it was it was more so the com that what stood out for me was having the confidence to to step in front of a camera or to post my photos on social media. And I can still have that's a bit of fear I have. I kind of like to document my journey on my own social media. Um, but like having still having the fear, oh, am I good enough or am I lean enough or sure you don't look even look that great. But I think that's just what the way social media has gone in general. Like, I don't think that's just because of me, because I'm, I'm in recovery. I think that's just like the way like people are just comparing themselves to someone that's been training 25 years and who's on anabolics. Absolutely, yeah. Sure. We're starting off talking about how your low was, you know, how low that was. And, you know, there was no regard for, you know, the fitness, the nutrition, your health at all. And now you're talking about doing a photo shoot and, it's just a world of difference. So it's huge. And yeah, social media is so toxic for comparing ourselves to other people and, and taking away from our own achievement, which we really can be proud of. So mm. okay. do you have any kind of like challenges from before where, you know, trying to stay on top of your nutrition, trying to stay on top of your sleep, your training, your health in general, do, do you have any of those challenges that continue with you today? Like how much easier is it now compared to in the past? It's definitely, it's definitely uh, much easier because, like I suppose, my week was always, when I was drinking and gambling, my week was always based on if I can survive Monday to Friday until I get paid, I can then just go drinking and go press the fucking button. Excuse the language. Don't know where we allowed to swear on this podcast, but I just did. Um, But, like, now it's just, like, obviously it's working. I, I am working. I'm not going to go into it, but I am working towards something that probably wouldn't have been able to have happened if I'm kind of just doing it like in the background, because sometimes I can, one of my defects is I would want to tell everyone everything about what I'm doing. And then like, if something happens or if something changes, then I feel really bad. So I'm not even going to go into it. So it's, um, but like, like nutrition is, it's much better than it was. It's all about that 1% better each day. Um, like it's not always perfect. Like it's, Obviously, I I was like obviously I'm doing a bit of a fat loss phase, and I was able to kind of right if I if I reduce calories, say whatever it is, Monday to Friday, I went to a, an Asian tapas place for dinner on Saturday, completely guilt free, like no, like didn't wasn't trying to like then wake up the following day and starve myself, and go we were playing yesterday, won the kind of final, went for soup max in the evening, whatever, and. But like, that's just, but then I know I now have the discipline where I'm like, right, that's whatever is done is done. It's, it's, it, I enjoyed my day, whether it, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed the time I had with the people, but now it's kind of like, I also enjoy head down, just hustling, whatever you want, whatever, you, whichever way you want to describe it. Um, obviously nutrition, like I kind of have to, like my job is kind of like you're on the road. And so sometimes it could just be like picking up maybe a chicken Caesar salad bowl, or sometimes it can be, you can, you can be really caught for time and you just have to have breakfast in the morning and maybe just grab like a protein bar for as a snack to keep you going until you can have a proper meal. So it's kind of like, it, it is what it is. Like obviously like I've, what saves me is those fit foods nutrition wise, just like 
the microwaveable dinners because they're, you know, what calories just my fitness pal scan it, boom. Um, and that's kind of like something I probably would have say sometimes I can come home and I'll be like, oh, I get a takeaway, and then I'm like, but why would you take get a takeaway? Like, if you want it, go get it. But like, usually the better option is I'm not really like a cook. No, it's not. I'm not really a cook. I am not a cook. So like. I'll just go down to Aldi or little or whatever and get the microwave for dinner, a bit of Greek yogurt, uh, whatever. Like that's just just simple. Um, but like that's just nutrition wise, training wise, it's kind of like sometimes I'm like if I'm not enjoying a training session, it's kind of like I try my internally I beat myself up, but it'd be like just do it. And if you don't, I kind of have a rule in my own head. If I don't want to go to the gym, I'll go anyway. And it's like commit to two exercises to your set prescribed sets for the exercises. Um, and I get 99% of the time I will want to continue the workout. I won't just want to walk out, but if I go to the gym and I sit down and like I'm working for Coca-Cola at the minute and obviously monster is the Coca-Cola product. So I, I do tend to have a can of monster. Um, so like having the can of monster, sometimes in my head, I'd be like, Oh, I might just walk out. And then it's just like, no, just go in. You're here now, or I'm sitting outside the gym. It's like you're basically here. Do two exercises, and if if I only do two exercises, that's fine. But I will definitely feel better than having walked out of the gym. So, like all these things, are, none of them are perfect, and they're probably never. I never want anything to be perfect because I always want to be improving. That's a great message. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it sounds like your self belief has grown a lot as well. Where before you felt like things were crumbling now it's you know you're thinking of the future you've got your goals you know you just everything you're talking about has totally changed yeah um it's it's mad when you think about it because like i have no like i still don't really know what i want to do but like i don't beat myself up for that like i could be someone that would want to just do do different things all the time and i am Potentially, I, I want to get into say the statistics that the statistics side of the GAA. Um, I do it for a club at the minute. Um, so I'm planning on doing maybe a course in that in 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 the year in June up in Belfast. So because um, I have an opportunity coming up, so next year for next year's uh, intercounty season. So that that's interesting. But that's like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have that opportunity if I was still drinking because I have absolutely no interest. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not just the physical uh, positive things that happened when, when you stop, when I stopped drinking, but it's also like career wise. And I remember my own coach, he, he, he said it to me about six, I met him for the first time in person. And he said, I can't remember what it, what the way he said it, but it was like, when you're having conversations with people, you never know what that conversation is going to bring down the line. And there is conversations I've had with numerous people over the last two, three months that, and then they'd be like, would you be interested in this? If this was to come up in three or four months time that I would never have dreamt in my life of happening. 100%. That's so true. You just, you don't know what can happen, especially when you get sober, you get out of your own way. So Chris, yeah, brilliant to chat to you. This is, this has been a great episode. Any kind of final message you want to leave people with or anything you want to finish up with? Uh, no, there isn't, but like, 
I suppose for me, giving up a bit, just looking for help, like was was massive for me. And I know, particularly, people mightn't agree with this, but this is just my own personal opinion. Particularly, I think men in Ireland sometimes struggle to look for help or say that they're struggling. Um, I can sometimes do it as well, but like I don't like for years. I just had this like I was crumbling inside mentally, but it was just like, geez, Chris always looks happy. Yeah, and then it was like, well, Chris is always happy because he's always drinking. So like, just looking for help, like, taking that first step is always massive. Whether it's on if it's you want to give up drinking or you want to improve your physical health or you want to get into better physical condition. Look for someone that has the experience in whether it's looking for an online coach like yourself or whatnot to improve that for you and work with them. That's always you can look at looking for help in a lot of different aspects. Yeah, the help is there if you want. Chris, thanks very much. Hundred percent. Great speaking to you.